Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Committed Critics, a pop culture podcast where we're not just only committed to our opinions, but also each other. Aww. I'm Kevin Lau. I'm Ryan Davis. I'm Zachary Wright, and we have a special guest back with us today. I'm the special guest, once again, Kyler Giebert. Very excited to be back. He's back, yay! Kyler returns from episode 8. Which is more than what we could say about the characters from Star Wars Episode Eight. Oof. <laughs> oh, let's not start with the Last Jedi slander right away. <laughs> Season two just We're started. done. We're past that trade. We're over. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> welcome back, Kyler. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Very glad to be back. It's it's nice to hear your voice again on the it's podcast. Nice to hear all of your voices again as well. Today, it's uh, a new movie has released that has the whole. Twitterverse, social media, the world divided, and it's called Soul. Uh, <laughs> Thank God, I'm so ready to talk about Soul. I have opinions. <laughs> I haven't seen Soul yet, but Wonder Woman 1984 came out, and I did see that, and that is what we're talking about today. So, Wonder Woman 1984 released simultaneously on HBO Max and theaters on Christmas Day. Just a quick going around how did you guys watch the movie let's start with you ryan like what was like did you have a nice tv set up for it or did you just Um, watch on your phone or i watched it on my laptop uh it was an interesting experience especially when it my lap when it just shut down my entire laptop like the entire all my internet just shut down at one point from watching (laughs) the movie i will explain my thoughts on that later on oh my god (laughs) wow how, how about how about you, Zach? Did what? How did you watch the movie? I watched it with my loving mother on our nice uh, like fifty five inch TV, um, streaming from HBO Max, connected via my HDMI cord to my laptop because the Fire Stick app sucks. Um, Wait, you didn't use your PS five? No, because it's in my room. I didn't feel like dragging that out. My laptop was easier to drag out. <laughs> <laughs> Were you saying the Fire Stick sucks because there's no HBO Max app or because it's just terrible? Our our Fire Stick's a little old, I think, and it can't really load Disney Plus or HBO Max right now. And it was... Mm, that's fair. Both apps are also really bad. And <laughs> also had the HDR on our TV. It's uh, not the best, so it was very hard to see in that last battle, but I'll get more into that later. Um, Kyler, what, would you, what, was you, what was your watching method? Ooh, well, originally my watching method was going to be seeing it in the movie theater um, because I had that as an option. But instead, I decided it would be a better option to go see Promising Young Woman for a second time. So I did that. So I ended up watching Wonder Woman 1984 on a TV uh, on the HBO Max app connected through Roku. Honestly, it's probably a better option. (laughs) Yeah, I hear Promising Young Woman is really good. Uh, and I am actually really curious about it. Uh, we don't have the episodes are only thirty minutes now. We can we don't have the time anymore <laughs> to discuss how I feel about that masterpiece. We do not have the time. I know. I'm just saying. Hey, listeners, check out that movie. Probably better than this one. <laughs> Please do. Hopefully on VOD now. But uh, so yeah, I also watched it on HBO Max. I had I recently bought a Roku and I just set it up because of now HBO Max is on Roku. I've set it up on my uh, 4K TV with my family. We have a nice sound bar, so we get like good audio quality, nice sound, uh, visual quality. The only problem was that my internet at home sucks. So we had some hiccups in the beginning, the, especially with the opening scene, where it was like we're kind of watching it. And it's like it's like 240p, 
Or like, yeah, whatever. But then after that opening sequence, for whatever reason, suddenly it clears up. We're watching in 1080p with the occasional 720p dips. But overall, like, we, I didn't have to, like, consistently pause the movie or anything. It's like, you know, my family's been pretty good about watching movies at home. But yeah, let's, so with that out of the way, let's go around. What's, there, what's your quick spoiler-free thoughts of the movie? And like, how would you rate it out of five stars? Starting with, um, let's go with... Let's go with Kyler. Well, how would you rate the movie with your thoughts? Oh, wow. Um, well, I don't want to say we pre-gamed this conversation a little bit, but we pre-gamed this conversation a little bit. So I might be <laughs> one of the more positive reviews. So good to start out on that kind of note. Um, I liked it. I thought it was a good 80s vibe. Um, I thought that Kristen Wiig was so good. Like literally like iconic. Mm-hmm villain-ish-esque level good in this movie like i want a spin-off series i want everything for Kristen wig because she deserved mm-hmm. it i want her story finished <laughs> oh p- right zach spoilers sorry 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 <laughs> oh well oh my god i wish i wish i wish anyway regardless of that um thank you uh i really i had a good time with it i think that there were moments where i was like i'm a little i don't want to say bored but i was like all right I get it. Let's move on with this part. Um, just because it's it's a very long movie. Um, but I, I had a good time. Um, I'll obviously get into a little bit more in a bit. But I overall would give it like 3.5 stars, which I think is a whole star less than I gave the first one. Wow. Well, it's still very generous of you. Yeah. Which is still which is still very generous. I'm pretty generous. I don't normally give anything... I don't normally give anything too negative of a review unless it's really impacted me in a way mm-hmm. like cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a movie. Also on HBO max. That's, that is a movie. <laughs> uh, how about you, Ryan? What, what would your, what's your quick thoughts on the movie? How, how, and how would you rate it out of five stars? All right. So you know how I always give flack to the first Wonder Woman movie, first Wonder Woman movies, third act, correct? Yes. Everyone hates it. <laughs> After watching this, I would rather watch the third act of Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie, over this. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it was a solid movie, but I was very much bored. And like I said, my computer just shut down on me, and that's how I reflect this movie as, yeah, it was so... My computer was so done with it that it just said no. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I. I mean, I enjoyed bits and pieces, but like throughout the movie, as the movie went along, I just got more and more disconnected with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. I enjoyed more of uh, uh, Chris Pine and Gal Gadot going around yeah. than anything else. Just going around the 80s, just experiencing the 80s. Valid. But, but Brian, how out of five stars, what would you give it? Out of five stars, I'd give it a generous 2.5. Wow. And that's me. I was going to give it a two, but right a 50, 50. I was like, I'll be nice. Man, I, I don't think uh, my review is going to be too well uh, received here. But um, but Zach, you go ahead. <laughs> my my review is it was just uh, it was very, very long. Um, I Everyone's performance from Pedro Pex. Pedro Pascal to Kristen Wiig to Gal Gadot to Chris Pine was done great. I love the performance of, of each of their characters. It was great. Um, but it was two and a half hours long and I've never seen my mother more like disappointed and sad at a movie in my life, like in a while. <laughs> yeah. She she got like that was terrible. I'm like oh, no. it, it was pr- it was pretty long. It was pretty long indeed. 
So, yeah, I think I think I'm going to be a little more mean. I mean, not as mean as Kevin's going to be probably, but I'm going to probably give it a two out of five. All right. Oh, wow. I'm really surprised. We're just going down the numbers. <laughs> We're slowly going down. All right, Kevin. But here we go. So I do not like Wonder Woman 1984. I At all? At, at all. Okay. I mean, there's like there was like some moments that were actually you know interesting, like you know the, uh, the action sequences, and obviously uh, Pedro Pascal's performance is really great. I thought that Kristen Wiig was really good in this movie too, uh, compared to some of her other work. Not that she's a bad actress, but it's more like I feel like she's miscasted a lot. And this one here, she fits the role a bit better than what her other roles than her other roles. Um, but there's a lot of problematic thematic material in the movie such as the the life lesson of which we'll dive into in a bit and how that's applied to the villains and how the villains motivations even if whether or not they're justified how it's framed in the narr- in the narrative and it's and, and then once again it's a it's a long movie it's two and a half hours long not that there's anything wrong with a long movie but there's nothing in the, there's not enough in the movie to really justify it it does feel like it's going around in circles a bit and it's everything that's kind of like you know you, you would think that something has already been developed in the movie um but then they just kind of redevelop it again or or like show that it hasn't been developed yet so but that before we go into spoilers i do want to say that eh, it's a 1.5 out of 5 for me not that great i have a really quick question prior to moving on real quick um what how did y'all feel just briefly about the first wonder woman movie i enjoyed it a lot i i really liked the first wonder woman movie like the third act was kind of weird and obviously like like if you had to do the star system with the first one like off the bat what would you say four out of five four out of five yeah i'd say four out of five maybe 3.5 out of five (laughs) okay okay cool so that's that's really interesting yeah so yeah you can kind of get a little background of that yeah, how did you feel about it, Kyler? About the first one? I liked the first one. I gave it a, I think I gave it 4.5 out of 5. Okay. Um, Or 4 out of 5, one of the two. I don't know. But I also think I've only ever watched it like twice. Mm-hmm. But I think I saw it once in the theater and then I saw it once like randomly. Yeah, I mean like it's, you know, it's a it's a big movie. It's not something I would imagine people just consistently rewatching. Right. It's probably one of the best ones of the DCEU, like honestly. But I know that's. Oh, for sure. It's easily top three. Yeah, top three. I'll uh, just top three. Um, but going back to our previous conversation when we, Kyler was on last time, like with streaming versus theater, I have a question. Do you guys think it would have benefited if this movie was in theaters? Well, if I saw it in theaters, I think for me personally, when I critique a movie, I'm not really too interested in the spectacle of it. Um, it's more like the spectacle and the visuals and audio sound design is like the cherry on top for me. So I'm more focused on like the actual writing, the actual, you know, performances, the the direction, all that stuff. I, I still think I would have walked away with the the same feelings as I have now. Uh, I, I, can, I watch a lot of movies at home anyway. So I'm not like this wasn't like a jarring experience for me watching a blockbuster at home. Um, but what, what about you guys? Uh, let's start with um, let's go with Ryan. Um, I think, I mean, I'm kind of a little bit different on that because I do like the spectacle of a movie theater, like the music, because I noticed a lot of the soundtrack in this was like 
uh, brought back to not just the previous Wonder Woman movie, but like Batman v Superman. They had music from that because they had Beautiful Lie. Uh, they had, I think, something from Justice League in there too. I just, I heard different soundtracks that I heard from other DCU movies. So I was like, man, if this had been in the movie theaters, I would have been like vibing, but I'm all, it's also at the end of the movie where I'm just like, please end it all. I'm like, there's 15 minutes left. Just go get through, get through. Yeah, no, I, I think watching it on a streaming service, like watching on HBO Max just kind of lost some of the magic for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see like, that for sure. Watching it for the fir- very first time, like, especially a superhero film. I love watching a superhero film in theaters rather than on a TV or a laptop. Kyler, what do you think? I think, you know, because I thought about this, because like I said, I was originally going to see it in the theater. Um, I think this movie has kind of like a chiller vibe where it's like okay to watch it at home. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be seen in theaters, if that makes sense. Like, I think if you saw it in the theater, you'd be like, definitely like you'd have a good experience with it. Because like Ryan said, with the music that they put in and the score and the visuals. And I think the visual effects, nobody talked about that yet. I think the visual effects might have looked a little bit better on the big screen versus on like TVs and laptops and such. Um, Because at times they were a little shaky. But I think I think the film has enough of a chill vibe where it's like, it's okay to sit and watch it at home if you want to. You don't have to see it in the theater. Like, I don't think it demands that. And I also think I w- I don't know about any of you, but like I was like kind of like I was like maybe like sixty five percent paying attention the first time I watched it, and I watched it a second time and like paid full attention. Mm-hmm. And I think I liked it more the first time and had like a better response to it because I was like only half paying attention. So like when it got boring in like certain segments, I'd like look away, and then I'd look back when it would change the scene, and I'd be like, all right, cool, we're back. Which is just goes to show that the film does not need to be two and a half hours long. Yeah, I think for me, it was there's no big set pieces that really could have benefited from like big battles or anything like that. Like, even when she's saving or not, I'm not gonna spoil the movie. Sorry. Um, there even like the like final battle, there was no like, oh, I needed to see this on the big screen. If my TV just hadn't messed up with the HDR, I could have seen it a lot better. That was more my TV's fault than anything. Um, but but yeah, there's no like big like awesome set pieces that could have benefited from the screen in my opinion at least right mm-hmm. except for like you know maybe that that one fight in the middle of the movie but that's even then like you know we'll, we'll talk about it and right after the break but um the, yeah it's like it's going to be really at odds with itself in terms of production value uh any last words before we kind of go on break for a bit uh the humbug all right well i mean go watch it if you like wonder woman I mean, I don't. Yes. If you think it's interesting, watch it. It's worth the time. I agree. I mean, that's kind of like with any movie. Like, hey, man, does it interest you? Watch it. You know, yeah. Form your own opinion. Yeah. Decide for yourself. If you don't like it, then you just don't like it. Don't don't attack other people for liking it because people can enjoy things sometimes. True. Believe it or not. Unless you like cats. <laughs> hey, man. I'm only half kidding. It's okay. Jellicles are. Jellicle cat. Jellicles can of- and jellicles do. <laughs> all right we're gonna have a quick break and we'll be right back looking for a spot to advertise your business product or service you can have a personalized ad right here on committed critics email us at committedcritics at gmail.com for more info and now we're back and we just kind of have to talk about spoilers now. So if you haven't seen the movie, 
go ahead and maybe not listen or watch the movie. If you want to, if you listen to spoiler reviews before you see the movie, what person are you? Like that's bold, and I I respect you. <laughs> <laughs> this won't make sense if you do that. But yeah, this this is your chance to get out, get out now. All right, they're gone. Come back after if what well, you watch, Mormon, and they won't hear that. <laughs> if you're still here, you're sinking into the floor. Exactly. Welcome. We're gonna dive in right now, Zach. So, what's your uh, spoiler full topic that you want to bring to the table? This is just very a very very long movie. I paused it like just randomly, and I'm like, I'm gonna get like a little snack. Mom's like, yeah, I'm hungry too. And I looked at the little like the scrubber bar, and we're halfway through. And I'm like, we're we're an hour and a half in, and we were shocked. What a nice spot for an intermission. The same thing happened to me, but opposite. <laughs> it was perfect. And then so like we paused it again like halfway through that half, and we're only halfway through the back half of the movie. And I'm like, oh my god, it just. I feel like this movie could be. It didn't play into the '80s vibe as much as it could have. There was no '80s music. Mm-hmm. The Thor Ragnarok like trailer from the or like the Thor Ragnarok vibe from the trailer didn't really bleed through into this movie at all. Here, here is my one defense of. Go ahead. A, go ahead. I will defend the film in this vibe. <laughs> the film in. I don't think the film necessarily has that '80s vibe in the terms of Thor Ragnarok that we expected. The film is 80s in the terms of, like, it was made in the 80s. Yeah, that's for like, sure. Like, very kitschy, like, the shots, the way that it's stylized. Like, all of it was like it was literally made in 1984, which is part of, like, that's with it versus, like, that vibe. The problem is that it's so inconsistent of when it looks like an 80s movie. Yeah. Valid, yes. uh, because of its um Because of its production value. It's like, it's a movie with over, with a $200 million budget. Like, some of it looks, it looks like $200 million, and some of it does not and like the stuff that does not sticks out like a sore thumb because it's not consistent in tone like when she's flying oh yeah it's it's so inconsistent with how it wants to look and it doesn't so but the way it sets itself up is as a 200 million dollar movie so that's like it sets the tone of that but then it kind of become bounces around back and forth but i don't mean to hijack the conversation from you zach so go ahead and continue no i I think you both are right and to an extent like Kyler, i think it is set up like an 80s movie and i think even though it is a 200 million dollar like budget movie if they would just have leaned into that 80s nostalgia like thor ragnarok did or even like guardians of the galaxies like stuff like that well i mean like you look at stranger things season one it, like it looks like it was shot in the 80s yeah exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the same like literally the same texture of the image uh is like like a spielberg right movie. yeah if you lean into that vibe and that like that all that culture of the eighties, granted there's some really, very bad things in the, in those that time of the eighties. Um, <laughs> it really, I think would have made this movie feel more of like a world, like, wow, this is like a timepiece. But now it's just kind of like, it's just a very long and like dragging on movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I very quickly, um, I have a couple scenes I think that we can cut to make this film shorter. And I think that would help make this film better. A couple, maybe, maybe a little bit more. <laughs> let's get this under two hours. All right, let's do Let's do. Okay, no, 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 no. Because hear me out. Um, the opening scene is not necessary. Yes, agree. You can get the exact same main themes by starting in the mall, and I feel like that would help the vibe a lot Definitely. More, because that's a, that's a huge inconsistency, like Kevin was saying earlier, because that immediately took me. I was like, wait, hold on. What's going on? Completely agree. Like, it immediately, it's too about switching. You could have started it with Max talking in the commercial and stuff, and then gone right into it, and it would have kept you in, because that's the only time in the whole movie. Yeah. That we're not in the 80s. And it's like we didn't need that lesson because that lesson is 
reinforced so much over the rest of it. The lesson they set up is very like wishy-washy. It's all about truth. Yes, it's incredibly wishy-washy. But they use like, hey, don't cheat. Yeah, it's like all these like th- it's like a, mang- a mangulation of like three different lessons in one. Exactly. Which could just be like, hey, play with fair. <laughs> and that opening will help take away from that and help distract and will limit that a little bit less. So it's not as like preachy and it's not as convoluted by knocking out that scene because then it's not like, oh, this has been ingrained in her her whole life because we already know it basically has. Like we saw her in the first movie. We don't know. Who- we know who she is. The scene is really cool and I enjoyed it. But, like, it's not necessary. I really love it. It's just not necessary. You can start it at the mall and be good. And boom, that's that's 10 minutes chopped off right there. And also, like, literally basically everything in Egypt. Pretty much everything in Egypt except for Max giving the Egypt guy the wish. Like, that's everything else can get chopped. And boom, that's 20 minutes cut off right there. that's, like, 25 minutes right there. <laughs> Congratulations, we're a two-hour movie. <laughs> I really think the opening scene was just there, just to one, they wanted to go back to wherever they filmed the mascara at, and two, just to introduce, hey, we have this armor lady that's going to, or this armor from this old, uh, uh. The, the, the armor, armor is introduced until halfway through scene. the movie. Yeah, like, it, that's the thing. Like, they explained the whole legend of the armor, like, later on in the movie, so it wasn't really necessary for it to be in the beginning. There's no point in it. Yeah, and then I agree that the Egypt scene wasn't necessary um like i liked the all the car flippy stuff but it's like it's nothing we haven't really seen See, i didn't like i didn't like before. yeah and that's another problem i, I have. enjoyed it though it kept my attention it was really well done it's just like it was like okay like it wasn't like i'm not thinking about it like that scene where she's in no man's land in the first movie like there's no scene like that that I, like when i think about this movie that's what the, the scene i think of like, I'm just like, I think about Kristen Wiig. I'll be honest. I I'm speaking know, like, of Kristen Wiig. Oh. Uh, well, what, what, what did you have to say? Oh, my last thing was like, well, this kind of goes into the next thing. I didn't like any of the action scenes in this movie except for uh, the White House action scene with Chris, with uh, Diana and uh, Barbara. That was the only... That, was, that scene was really ...action good. scene I enjoyed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that because that's where Kristen Wiig and Gal Gadot kind of shine. And kind of Chris Pine and Pedro Pascal, too. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that's the problem is there should only have been one villain in this movie, and they try to do two. Speaking of villains, Kyler, talk about Kristen Wiig. How much do you love her? Kristen Wiig. Listen, I have been waiting so long. I remember watching Kristen Wiig on SNL like in 2008, 2009. So like before any of this stuff, like I was like a, the dream would have been Kristen Wiig in this type of role. So when I heard that she was in this type of role, I was literally, I was so excited. I've been so waiting, and she was so good. Like she per- she perfectly encapsulates Barbara and gets all of the awkwardness and the quirkiness and then the slow evolution of Barbara. She does literally perfectly. She hits her notes. She does everything she needs to do as an actress to convey this character in a way that is both where you're, you're rooting against her, but at the same time you're rooting for her because you're like, you relate to her. You understand why she's doing the things she is even though that does make her a villain, which is kind of, it kind of makes both both villains in a way, because there's so much backstory with Pedro Pascal's character, it kind of makes him a little wishy-washy. But literally from the moment that Kristen Wiig was on this screen, she commanded. Anytime she was on the screen, I was watching the movie. My eyes were on the screen. Like, she's just, she's that good. Like, she immediately hooks you. The one thing I want to point out is uh, Kristen Wiig did no wrong. Her character is not written the best. Correct. Exactly. I just want to point out something, and you guys are going to hate me for it. 
her character is just a less geekier Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, 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 essentially. Okay, that and that's every single comic borrows from each other's. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, I see it. I completely see. I it. mean, yeah, I'm just trying to be a dick. <laughs> I know. Let we didn't do nothing to Kristen Wiig. She didn't do nothing to nobody. Kristen Wiig, innocent. Kristen Wiig is fine. Pedro Pascal was fine. They're both great villains. They're just not written. Pedro Pascal's character, I didn't think was written all that well, to be honest. There was too much backstory. Oh, the character was definitely... Like, I mean, I think that's just the whole movie. Like, the characters were not written very well. Yeah, that's valid. Here's the thing. With Pedro with Pedro Pascal's, that whole, like, snippet at the very end where they're, like, kind of showing his life, I feel like they should have done that early in the movie rather than... Oh, for kinda, sure. Like, for sure. Because, like, like, focusing on the whole son thing, like, I was like, okay, yeah, he has a kid. I'm supposed to feel for him. But I'm like... I don't feel for him. I, the only time I felt for him like was when it, we see that little snippet. I was like, oh, man, he's had a kind of a suckish life. I mean, I could tell he had an accent or some, something throughout the movie. So I was like, maybe he's like a foreign kid. And this is also the 80s. So my mom pointed that out. She pointed out the son, the son thing. He was like, he never really was like that great of a dad to his son. I'm like, yeah, you're right. He wasn't. No, he was a terrible father. Yeah. Add yeah, him no, to the list of terrible fathers. Not, not to be like kind of throw uh i don't know insults around but like, it is kind of a rookie mistake to like have like everything to make your character sympathetic at the last moment yes there's a lot a lot of books do it too it's like suddenly at the very end when the character is about to die oh you suddenly feel sympathy for them like no you gotta like ha- you have to spread that out you have to introduce that way severus snape for example yeah. yes yeah that's a good example zach and she didn't jk rowling didn't even plot those books <laughs> yeah believe it or not uh but uh but yeah, so but Kristen Wiig was great, innocent. Pedro Pedro Pascal is great, also innocent. I think everyone, all the I love Chris Pine. I love Chris Pine is great, all as always. Um, Chris Pine, every single fit was very good. I love that man. He is the best Hollywood Chris. <laughs> That's an argument for another time, maybe, but I stand by that. I wanted the entire movie to just be her, him, uh, Chris Pine, and Gal Gadot. Their character uh, just going through the eighties and him just figuring out what stuff is like that mm-hmm. like that entire scene i was like this is fun yeah you're gonna like wandavision real quick segue to that him figure out stuff is how in the hell does a world war one veteran know how to fly a jet yeah don't worry about it instinct it's what he was born to do I, baby I was like, he was born to be, fly that between plane. that and diana making the jet invisible which made me groan so much this movie has a rock that grants wishes calm down <laughs> <laughs> right honestly the rock grants witches i didn't i literally i was like if you would have asked me what was going to cause all the problems in this movie i never would have looked you in the eyes and said a rock that grants witches. <laughs> yeah that's fair that the thing that causes the problems in this movie is Kristen wig wanting to be sexy that's what causes all the problems she didn't she just wanted to be appreciated and we got to nuclear war we went right to nuclear war and we got to nuclear war right to <laughs> nuclear war. <laughs> no in between just boom right there I will say my one critique with uh, Barbara's character. I mean, like, I know you guys say she's not written as well. My biggest critique is that uh, they kind of rushed that friendship. Like, I did not. Yeah. I was like, because in the comics, the three people who are Diana's friends at the beginning is Steve Trevor, Etta Candy, and Barbara Minerva. Like, they're her circle. And Barbara eventually turns into the cheetah. And that's where their relationship goes bad. And they try to do that in this. And like, oh, yeah, they became friends. For like a day. She saved her from a uh, dude trying to like grab her. 
And so suddenly we're supposed to be like, they're they're besties. And well, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, the thing you. is, like, it, it, it builds, it starts to build up to a relationship. Then it kind of just plateaus and doesn't develop any further. I was very surprised that, like, during the White House fight, whenever Chris Pinelli goes like, hey, he's like, hey, Barbara, like, stop. She just didn't, like, kill him right there. I was very surprised. I'm well, like, damn. Yeah, that would have been, honestly, that would have been good. I just think if they established the friendship earlier, it would have been better. Like, established it, like, like, pre, like, it, like, it already existed when the movie started. Like, she's been friends with her now as she's in the 80s. The thing about it, though, is, like, Barbara literally has nobody. So the fact that, like, this woman is even nice to her, of course it's going to latch on. So it's going to be nice. And for... Right. Like, it's established neither one of them has anyone. So the fact that it's two people that are being nice to each other and, like, they're not being hit on. Like, they just are chilling and they talking about what they know and what their work is. Like, it kind of makes sense for them to get, like, close quickly since neither one of them have each other. Like... If you only if you live somewhere and you have one friend, you're gonna hit up that friend a lot. But also, like their first conversation, the first real conversation they have is, "Have you ever been in love before?" Uh, <laughs> which is, I'm yeah, like, I'm true. pretty sure I this mean, breaks the Bechdel test <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> right off the bat, they were talking about a rock and they're named. So there we go. <laughs> I guess so, man. Uh, which brings me to my point. I want to talk about is like the themes of the movie. Where, so like we mentioned that we had, so in the beginning of the movie, the opening sequence, you kind of have like an amalgamation of themes where it's like, you have to accept the truth of your reality and also don't cheat in life. Uh, so, it, and it's kind of like, it, it, the movie thinks it's one thing when it's actually two things and it's super weird. Um, but as the movie progresses, so that's Wonder Woman's arc. The Wonder Woman's arc is to accept the truth of her reality. Uh, and, and that's the, the, the basically the final theme that everyone needs to learn and bo- including both villains. So Max Lord needs to uh, accept the truth that he, of his reality, that what he's doing is going to negatively affecting his son, his son and might actually kill him. Uh, Chris. Yeah, exactly. And Barbara's needs to learn to not try to be like wonder woman. Uh, and also, also because like she as she grows to be a villain, like her turning point as a villain is to kick a, is kicking a guy that was harassing her, um, which, you know, it's the second time he's harassed her and almost assaulted her. And that, you know, it's, it's kind of justified that she would, you know, beat that guy up. But also this is a turning point as a villain where we're so we're not supposed to actually agree with her actions and also telling her to accept the truth of her reality is also telling her to just kind of accept to be assaulted question mark like hmm. am, am i wrong here i i don't think you're wrong i think that's a yeah. valid assessment i don't see it that way i don't know how i see it but i don't see it that way but i do i do see what you're saying and i do understand that cuz that is that is honestly a that does make sense because Everything you said completely tracks. right because like you know because because basically you know the the theme is like you have everything you needed before you made the wish so barbara's character was like a, a nerdy loner that lay out but out but no one paid attention to her no one cared about her and she was almost assaulted so like what what is she supposed to do with that like I guess their argument is, if you're saying she had everything she needed, I guess the only argument is that she had Diana. But I'm like, even so, that's not really an argument, because, again, only knowing her for a day. She didn't really have anything. Well, I, I don't think she necessarily wanted to be... I guess I guess she did kind of say she wanted to be like Diana. Mm-hmm. So I think she wanted to be able to have those aspects. And I think that the lesson of 
this film for her is not necessarily like I should have just stayed the way I was and everything would have been fine. But it's more of like, I can't try and become someone else. Like, that's not how it works. I can learn from other people and become Mm -hmm. better and become and do that and figure out how to do all this and, you know, make people like me and stuff. But I can't just like wish that suddenly I'm strong and popular and everyone loves me. Right. But how does that? That's just not real. But how does that help her in the sense of being assaulted? Right. I mean, the thing is, like, her character isn't over. So, I mean, like, you're right. Yeah, Kevin, you're right. So, I mean, like, right now she's currently just sitting there on an island probably was still diana's powers because she made the wish before pedro pascal's character made his wish so i mean like his wish got reversed and everything because he renounced it but she Mm -hmm. never did so she is more than likely still an evil amazonian and one one three just got confirmed today so Mm -hmm. So what if this is like actually like part one of the story and then Wonder Woman 3 is going to be part two of the story? part two better be shorter. This better be a reverse uh, Mockingjay. Uh, I just want to say <laughs> if they do a part two, I hope they do not bring one back that armor and two Cheetah's look. Are they updated or something? Because the look at the end, the, the entire final fight at the end, I was like, this looks it Looks terrible. like cats. <laughs> I When I saw the little fur, when I saw the fur, I'm like, thank God my HDR and the TV is going out because... Woo. I, I did not want to see her again. I'd rather watch the third act from one, the first Wonder Woman. I was like, the mustache I can deal with, but that armor and that fur, I can't. It didn't look great, but it was a fun fight. It was still a good time. It just wasn't like I it didn't look. Did cool. you guys think that uh, Wonder Woman killed Barbara in the water? I did absolutely. <laughs> I was so sad. A lot of people hate Gal Gadot, but that would have made me hate her. Yeah, because because she was like, man, like you leave me no choice, and boom, <laughs> like. With no emotion either. In the comics, Wonder Woman literally kills most of her enemies except for Cheetah. She literally murders all of her enemies. So I was like, yeah, finally we get to this Wonder Woman. Cool. DC's going dark again. Exactly. So that's why I was like, I was like, did she kill her? Like, because like, with the movie, another critique is like, the movie doesn't have much emotion to it. There's no real drama. There's no real conflict going on. Things are just kind of happening. Yeah. Valid, yeah. There's, you know, there, there's a, there's a quote-unquote ticking clock. There's, you know, like some conflict in terms of ideology, but there's no, nothing really clashes together in any meaningful the or effective conflict, way. The only conflict is the bombs about to go off to destroy all of the world. That's really the only like we have to stop this from happening. There's no like conflict Diana really has to overcome besides like letting go of Steve Trevor. But even though like she knows she has exactly, to, but then she realizes yeah. that so quickly, and then she just got just does it. And see, I didn't even feel, I didn't even feel anything when she died. I was, I mean, when she was like, oh, I renounced my wish. I was like, cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, yeah, because it just, it just happens so quickly. Yeah, because he did it on the side of the street, like in a crowd. <laughs> and then she walked away. I also feel, I feel sorry for that dude who just got dragged around town with some random lady. <laughs> like his body was just stolen. I was thinking about that today. Honestly, that's kind of problematic, but we don't have time to get into all that. Oh, yeah. There's just a tweet going around. It's like, man, if you think that's problematic, wait till you watch Source Code. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Don't bring up Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Kevin, I agree with you. Like, the theme is very lacking and definitely needed another, another pass. And it, it definitely can be, be made to be problematic. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, in like, I, I know, like, the intention is not to make it problematic. I know the intention is is supposed to be you know very feminist and very up uh, trying to really raise women up in uh, however they're depicted in media, but it's just 
some they needed like a story consultant I or think something that happens sometimes when it's a director writer combo when the director also wrote the film that tends to happen it's either works out really well or doesn't work out at all yeah this was yeah patty jenkins wrote this one uh, she didn't write the first one um jeff johns returns again to write this to co-write this film um and then david callaham is also a co-writer who did he did Zombieland 2 and a couple other movies um and he signed on for Spider-Verse 2 and there was another movie oh yeah Shang-Chi yeah oof man <laughs> the only credit a writer on that one too so I'm a little I'm a little worried about Shang-Chi before we end the episode any final thoughts watch it if you like Wonder Woman yeah I think if you like Wonder Woman you should watch it I think if you have two and a half hours to kill and you just want to put on something that you can just have on in the background. You don't have to pay super close attention to it if you don't want to. It's a good choice. Um, I think it could set up a lot for the third film, and I hope it does, and hopefully it pays off. So it's more like a, you know, sorry, it kind of slugged in the middle, but it's really going to knock it out at the end. Hopefully. So fingers crossed for that. I'm hoping that... And also Cheetah coming back. I'm hoping that they weren't like, oh, they're like, yeah, this like, you know, you don't worry about... This movie may be bad, but don't worry, the third one's going to make up for like, no, that's not how you make a movie, but whatever nope <laughs> okay ryan closing thoughts um i have to give a hot take because that's my role in the show so hot take uh, ryan yes um basically my hot take is i would put this mid in the entire dceu it's above uh shazam to me oh that is hot oh i forgot he didn't like shazam it, it, but it is below uh the other one woman and suicide squad yes i said it Below Suicide Squad, that's... I mean, I, I guess I can see it below Suicide Squad. Well, wait. No, I... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think people hate Suicide Squad more. Ryan's rankings are Mm-mm, crazy. Yeah, I don't I don't even question Ryan's rankings. I just listen to them and say, okay. <laughs> In one ear, out the it. other. <laughs> I just accept it because it's not going to change. <laughs> Hashtag Transformers forever. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been another episode of Committed Critics, the start of season two. Uh, we're going to try to be a little bit shorter with each episode. I think this one went a little bit over, but it's whatever. Uh, we'll be going weekly now. And you can follow us on Twitter at Committed Crits. That is C-O-M-M-I-T-T-E-D-C-R-I-T-S. Uh, we have our own YouTube channel separate from KFM Studios. Screw those guys. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Committed Critics up there. Spell the same way as it is on our podcast. And Kyler, where can we follow you at? Oh, you can follow me uh, on Instagram at PopCultureKyler. Um, and anything I link from there should be available. You can see all my reviews, all my work, all my stuff going on on there. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Pop Culture Kyler, P-O-P-C-U-L-T-U-R-E-K-Y-L-E-R. Right? That is correct. Nice. <laughs> I wrote it down ahead of time. Uh, you can go ahead and support us on tra- Patreon. Just $1 or $2 a month, man. That helps us out a ton. And special thanks to our sound engineer, Jordan Smearman. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>